Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Glad to have you as a part of the series. Uh, I don't know how long you've been uh, listening, but... um, uh, we are well into well, we're in chapter 11 of the little book called The Words of Jesus. And, um, and if you would like to catch up on some of these shows, uh, I encourage you to visit thinkredink.com. I think you'll find what you need there. And uh, we'll make sure that you get it. Okay? Let's uh, start with uh, in chapter 11. This comes from Matthew 8. Uh, Mark 1 and Luke 5, you'll find that uh, this book uh, actually combines a lot of the similar stories because, well, our first three Gospels in the Scriptures are, are, are called synoptic Gospels because they tend to follow the same pattern or they, they tell the same story from three different outlooks. Um, uh, the It's an interesting study, as a matter of fact, to to find how these Gospels were written, um, there are um, uh, the the textual critics of of the past have uh, uh, put forth a lot of different uh, ideas and theories about how these Gospels came about, when they were written, and who was first, and these kind of things. And did so and so copy from this person, or did this person copy from that one? And there's a a hypothetical Q document. There are the uh, uh, a there is a book called um, uh, the Sayings of Jesus, um, and so people wonder how these things come about. Uh, most of the time, when people are, are are involving themselves in the history of the Gospels or or even the history of 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 all big biblical stories, they're looking for reasons not to believe. I, I that sounds like such a a silly endeavor, but they're, most of the time people are looking for reasons not to believe. Um, there's, a, there's a cost. Everybody knows, no matter how hard and how long and how loudly the preachers preach, uh, that, um, <laughs> they're, you know, that, that Jesus loves them or whatever is coming over the pulpit. Um, no, ma- no matter what is said or what is taught, uh, there is something down in the heart of man that the preachers just can't seem to erase. Uh, and that is that should you come to a faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to find that the way you've been living up until that point is probably not sufficient. And uh, you're going to have to make some changes. Well, it's when we look at those changes that uh, it occurs to us, I don't know if I want to make those changes. So what do I do? Do I do I shake my fist in the in the face of God and and say uh, no? You know we're not going to have it your way. Or I'm going to have it my way. No, we don't want to do that. So what we're going to do is is we're going to criticize. And I want you to know that textual criticism is not as it sounds. Uh, textual criticism is actually a, a wonderful science, as a matter of fact. Um, but we're going to criticize the Gospels, um, perhaps proving them to be untrue or inaccurate in some particular way. And 
Therefore, I, I don't have to make changes in my life. Uh, I don't know of anybody who will admit to that. I've talked to atheists, you know, that, you know, you, you, if you bring up the fact that, you know, if, if, if you believe there is no God, then you don't believe you have any responsibility for your life. And you do. If you eliminate God, then you eliminate judgment. And, you know, I know why you're doing what you're doing. And, well, I've never, in all the atheists that I've had to deal with, um, I say had to. I mean, I, I love the atheists. I appreciate them and their arguments, as a matter of fact. But um, the, uh, I've, I've never had an atheist say, well, you know, that's right. <laughs> that's, ex that's exactly why I try to eliminate God from my life, because I don't like the way he makes me feel. Or, you know, there, there, there's too much demand being placed on me at this point, and I, I just never run into that. Uh, not in any um, uh, way that, uh, you know, that anyone admits to this. But I think that it is true. I think that if we can uh, eliminate the accuracy or the authority of the Scriptures, that it does alleviate in some, in some way, small or large way, that uh, we will one day stand before God and give an account of the deeds done in the flesh. And so there are people who try to criticize uh, the scriptures one way or another. And one of the ways that they do that is that uh, I've heard people say, you know, the Gospels weren't even written until 100 years after Jesus was dead. And uh, uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, we have Matthew, a disciple of Christ. What was he, like 160 when he wrote it? I don't know what people are thinking. Uh, then they'll say, well, they weren't, they were written in their name, but not by them and these kind of things. And I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with because I wasn't there. He wasn't there. We don't really have any facts to go on. But, um, people say, well, why do you believe the scriptures if it's dubious as to their, uh, their origin? Well, I believe the scriptures for, uh, the same reason that I believe in Christ himself. I've never met him. I don't know him. I, I've never seen him. But I have faith in him because he, he shows himself to be real to me every day. And um, he imparts to me wisdom that's beyond my comprehension. Um, I, I preach sometimes under an anointing of the Holy Spirit that, that I, am, I am shocked in as well as anybody else that hears what is being said of I'm thinking this is just beyond my mental capability this is this is amazing I find that in my life all the time that uh, that Jesus Christ uh, his will his way his intelligence his his spirit his uh, even his love that I would have for a fellow man that I did not have before uh, you know, what's happening to me? Am I just becoming a bleeding heart liberal? Or is, is it indeed the fact that I happen to really love and care about people that I, don't, that I didn't love and care about? I think, the, I think the, one of the most poetic ways this has ever been said was uh, by C.S. Lewis. He says, I, I know the sun is risen not because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And, you know, I feel that way about my faith in Christ. I don't believe in Christ because I see him. 
but I believe in him because by him I see everything else. Um, understanding, that's not mine. Intelligence, that's essentially not mine. And um, it just seems to work so well. And uh, not only that, but I see it work in other people's lives. I find out that when people understand the, the Jesus of the Bible, okay, so there's a word missing, or there's a word that doesn't really belong there, or this was, you know, shadowed by another man's opinion, or whatever else you want to find in there to discount what it says. Boy, when you read behind it, and you know the personality of the one who said it, uh, you've, you've met Christ. And uh, these are, this is what I want for people. This is what I want for them. Not just a, a rote learning and memorizing of Scripture or memorizing of a, of a Bible story or memorizing what they heard in Sunday school or, you know, uh, uh, you know snappy answers to smart-alecky questions or, or being able to answer people when they uh, cast dispersions or or doubts upon what you believe. and it's, it's really not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of revelation. And uh, that's what I want for people. Well, if you do that, uh, you, you end up eliminating a, a lot of the stuff that we add to our life to make our Christian life real. And uh, when you do so, well, you make the people that are selling that to you uh, pretty angry. <laughs> and so... Uh, we, we, I don't know how careful we need to be about that. I don't know how much we even need to care about those kinds of things. But look, truth is, the gospel is for sale out there. And, um, and if, you, if you want a, a decent Christian life, you know, $59.95 and buy a DVD series or you know, fix your marriage, fix your, your life, fix your car, fix anything as long as we educate ourselves. Well, the truth is, is that uh, it's, you know, when it comes to people, it's really nice to go back to the manufacturer. <laughs> and uh, he tells us how to get along. In this particular story that we're going to talk today, Jesus heals a leper. And we'll start. While Jesus was in one of the cities, a leper came to him. The diseased man knelt before him and besought his aid, saying, If thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched the leper, saying, I will. Be thou clean. This is probably one of the purest approaches of Jesus you'll find in the scriptures. As I said before, and uh, as I was explaining uh, in, sub in uh, earlier previous series, the, uh, the, even the man that came to Jesus and said, you know, this is my son, he's sick, and I need you to heal him, Jesus found in that request uh, something that was very impure in that man's heart and dealt with that, uh, which was commendable and probably very difficult on Jesus' part. But uh, here we find a very pure request. This man didn't say, you know, I know that thou art, uh, you know, the, the Messiah or thou art the Son of God because no man could do these things except <laughs> God be with him. And didn't offer him any accolades, didn't uh, 
I, I don't know. There, just, there was something pure and simple about, you know what? I know that you can heal me if you will. And Jesus uh, saw this purity in him. He, he felt uh, what this man was feeling, and he didn't discount him. He didn't chide him. He didn't chastise him. He didn't call out, well, you know, you've got sin in your life or <laughs> some, something like this. He just reached down toward the man and put his hand on him and said, I will be thou clean. One of the purest approaches that you'll find in Scripture um, that a man um, just besought the Lord because he just knew that uh, the Lord could help him if he would. Immediately upon the words and the compassionate touch, the leprosy left the man. Then Jesus instructed, See that thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Here we find that Jesus had a wonderful opportunity to testify to the entire town, to this man's family, all of his friends, everybody involved in this man's sphere of influence every, in every aspect of his life. Everybody knew he was a leper. They knew that. And they would look at him and see that he was clean. And they'd say, how did this happen? Here was a wonderful opportunity for the, for the Lord Jesus to use this situation to bring about, essentially, fame and probably, you know, propagate, um, you know, push forward his idea of uh, evangelizing the world. It was a wonderful opportunity. However, Jesus said, I don't want you to tell anybody about this, but I want you to go to the priest. Now, as we talked about, before, I was telling you that there was a change in Jesus' ministry. Here we find him in the early part of his ministry, ministering to, proving himself to, the high priests, the priest of the temple, the Jewish priest, the, the Sanhedrin, the Uppities, the, the people who were actual people, <laughs> um, the hierarchy of religion, had an opportunity uh, that, that actually circumvented his, his other responsibility to the, the individual person. Here we see him ministering to his church. Now, let me explain what I mean. I realize there was a man healed of leprosy. I realize that. But... If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you'll remember that there were, there were commandments and instructions given to the high priests, the priests of the temple, that from time to time, there may be people who come to you and, uh, and try to announce themselves 
to you as clean. You have to understand that in the days that uh, leprosy was as it was, um, these people were condemned as lepers by the priest, as a matter of fact. When they decided that a person actually had leprosy, they were set into a several village or uh, a place away from everybody else, totally excommunicated from society. And they, ha- they were under an obligation that should they have to interface with society, they had to announce themselves as unclean so that people could move away from them. They didn't want to run into them on the street. They didn't want to bump into them. They didn't want to touch them. They didn't want to handle their money. They didn't want to handle their items. They certainly didn't want their to deal with their clothing. And um, they had to announce themselves as unclean, which was, well, frankly, a very humiliating practice. And... Um, and this man had been living this way for a long time, heard of the fame of Jesus, heard of the power that he had. And, um, and here we have him approaching Jesus and asking to be made clean and granted this, uh, this wonderful gift from God that he was made clean. Instead of going to all the people of the town and telling them about Jesus, which I say was an opportunity that Jesus could have taken if he had, had, had wished, he was brought to uh, uh, another mission that he did not expect, but was in accordance with the Old Testament commandment where, where God instructed his priest on, this is how you know if a leprosy is indeed a live leprosy, Uh, If a person is clean, a person can come there, make this particular offering, and receive from you uh, an announcement, an enunciation of cleanliness. Now, Jesus at this point of his life and ministry was still ministering to the temple, to the church, so to speak, to the Jewish leadership about exactly who he was. So he says, here's what I want you to do. Don't don't go around and tell everybody about this because that's going to cause me other troubles. Uh, But I do want you to go to the priest like the Old Testament commands us to do and I want you to show show, show yourself to the priest, make the offerings that are necessary, As a testimony, I want you to notice that he says, I want you to do it as a testimony unto them. His intention was to take this miracle and use it as a testimony to them, for them, that they would understand who I am. You you can see here that Jesus' focus was not on the populace, but on the priests themselves, on the, 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 the church. I keep calling it the church. You understand what I mean, right? Uh, but he, he's come to, to be a testimony to his church, to his spiritual leadership. He was still trying to redeem these priests and bring them into an, a place of understanding as to who he was. You will find that this 
little aspect of Jesus' ministry vanishes over time because he realizes this is a lost effort. This is not going to happen. It is a shame that, that, the, that the high priest who proved themselves to be an enemy of Christ until the day he died, they were instrumental in his murder that these people essentially hated Jesus for what reason? As a matter of fact, one time, Jesus actually asked them, now, guys, <laughs> you know, they're all standing around with rocks in their hands. And uh, Jesus is saying, guys, let me ask you a question. For what good work do you stone me? <laughs> and they said, well, for a good work we stone thee not. <laughs> but thou makest thyself to be the Son of God. And he's thinking, oh, I see. <laughs> I, I see. I was confused. I thought I had healed the wrong person or that I had done some miracle in town that was against the law or something. So you're here to stone me for what? Because I said I'm the Son of God? He says, do you realize that Every person to whom revelation is given, to whom God speaks, is known as a son of God. It says so in the Psalms. Didn't it say, I said unto you, ye are gods? Unto, and if they be gods unto whom the word of God came, why are you stoning me? Because I say I'm the son of God. <laughs> he never got through to these people. Never got through to them. I know you think that everything's possible. Jesus can do anything. God can do anything. Well, I'll tell you something that God can't do. He can't get through your thick head of who he is. He has real difficulty. Oh, I know they were Jews, and we're Christians, and they rejected Jesus, but we don't. Oh, yes, you do. You do it all the time. It happens all the time. Do you really think that that we're accepting of Jesus because we've taken him and reformed him into this, into this God-man kind of a thing, and, and uh, we've, we've created this God in our own image, and now we worship him, and because he happens to have the same name as the Son of God that walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, that we accept the Christ that the Jews rejected, but we don't do that. Yes, I'm afraid we still do that. All mankind does this. This is, this is the kinship that the Gentile has with the Jew. This is, this is how we are very much alike in that we reject people who try to reign over us. There's a, there's a scripture, and of course we'll get to it, where Jesus tells the parable of the, the son who's left in charge of the vineyard who is eventually cast out uh, you know, being beaten and thrown out, you know, for the birds to eat him. Um, because why, why, why would you do that? And there was no specific reason given, but a general reason that I'm afraid still plagues us today. And that is what we will not have this man to reign over us. Well. For what work are you stoning him? For what good work are you stoning him? 
He's been good to you. His Father's given you his vineyard. He's given us everything we need to sustain our lives. You're making a good living. Nobody's mistreating you. So for what good work are you stoning him? Or for what good work did you beat him up and throw his body out to be the, you know, to be bird food? Why did you do that? We will not have this man to reign over us. And I'm telling you, that haunts me, and it should haunt every organized religion in the world. Is Jesus Christ really the head of the church you attend? Is he really the head of that church? Um, well, yes. Well, it, just because you say it doesn't mean that it's so. Just because you you know, make the claim does not mean that it's true. Here you have Jesus saying, don't be praying out in public. Do you pray in public in your church? Yeah. He says, don't take up an offering in public. Do you take up offerings in public? Well, yeah. We even, we even post the people's names and stuff on, on boards and bulletin boards and announce how much money is given. We put little gold plaques on pews with people's names on it. Well, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? You know, how, how many examples would you like for me to show you that Jesus Christ is not the Lord of the church? He's not the head of the church. We will not have this man to reign over us. I remember we never take up an offering in any of our meetings. You'll never hear me on the radio ask you for money. You'll never hear me on TV ask you for money. We don't do it. We just flat don't do it. I've had friends of mine who are in the ministry say, that's absolute financial suicide. Do you know you could have a hundred times more than you have if you just ask? Well, you see, I'm not allowed to ask. See, I got fired from preaching once before. I had the Lord saying, I don't need you. I got a million just like you. I don't need you. Well, that was tough on me. We'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> but, um, you know, when I found out the kind of man that the Lord needed, uh, he rehired me. <laughs> he put me into the ministry. But one thing that he made very clear to me, money will not have anything to do with the gospel that you preach. And I mean nothing to do with it. Yes, sir. So I'm supposed to change that? I'm supposed to, to ignore that because my friends say, you're committing financial suicide. You could be a hundred times larger than you are if you just ask for money. No, sorry. I have a Lord. I have a boss. I'm trying to do what he says to do. <laughs> Time's gone again. Uh, sorry about that. Time seems to fly here. I hope you're enjoying the broadcast. Join us next time to hear more from the Words of Jesus series. If you're enjoying it, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at don at thinkreading.com. You can send an email uh, to, to Don or, or even info if you'd like any materials that you happen to see on the website at thinkredinc.com. Or you can write me a paper letter at Think Red Ink Ministries at uh, P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com.
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.